The information we provide in this podcast is for entertainment and informational purposes only. It should not be used in the place of advice from a mental health medical professional for prevention, diagnosis, or treatment of any other illness. If you're struggling with mental health issues, please seek professional help. The opinions shared in this podcast are our own and do not necessarily reflect hey those everyone, of our employers. Hey everyone, and welcome to HCAT. Oh my listening. god, it's GFT. What is this madness? It's HCAT and GFT combo. Say hi, everyone. Hi. Hi. <laughs> so, John and Mark don't know this, so usually... Leah and I would normally just kind of introduce ourselves, so Leah is not here. So, everybody, my lovely cohorts, John Hi. and Mark. <laughs> I-, I was told this was an HCAT episode. What What did you drag me into? This is HCAT doing GFT. Okay, let me take. Let me rewrite the notes for you GFT. Re- you re- you rewrote the notes. Oh. You did this homework already. Did you did you like make me do this in my sleep? Yes, I did. I poisoned you. You did not realize it. That cherry coke I sent you was like full of like chloroform and whatever else is that fun mind warping stuff. Wait a minute. And you I sent me you... cherry coke? Yes. <laughs> you don't even remember the cherry coke? I'll be right back. I'm going to be checking my mail. <laughs> So, we finally got to see Endgame, and how did you guys love it? What do you mean, finally? We've been waiting to record this episode for like a week. Well, like we're wait- finally having a chance to sit down and record this. Yes, yeah. but I mean, relatively, we've been waiting for years. Yeah, we've been waiting for 11 years to see Endgame. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Since day one, when they introduced... uh captain america and then they introduced again tony stark and like no 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 no. actually tony stark came first did he did i mess up that that timeline tony stark then it was the hulk then it was captain america yeah listen we try to we try to ignore the the incredible hulk movies because they were not that great okay first off there was only one movie and i watched it last night and it actually wasn't that bad it wasn't as bad as i remember it being the edward norton one was pretty good the Edward Norton one. Okay. Yeah. That the 2008 was, one was, it was, it was all right. It was, decent. it was, it was, it was, it was okay. It was okay. Okay. All right. Is that so, actually okay. even included in yes. the timeline? Yes, it is. Because in the, in Avengers, uh, Bruce, when he talks about New York, he's like, the last time I was in New York, I accidentally destroyed Harlem. And that's where the end fighting is in the incredible Hulk. Spoilers, by the way, for those who haven't seen that movie. I guess I think I... we're a few years far into spoiler territory. Yeah, I'm just um, saying for those select few that have not seen the Incredible Hulk because they don't know it's part of the MCU, it's there, even though it's not Mark Ruffalo. So what we are going to say is, if you have not seen Endgame by the time this has come out, this is very spoilerific. Please put this on pause. Come back to it. Um, cause I don't know what you were waiting for. I have a friend who still hasn't seen it, but yes, I love you, Reese. I understand you have a kid. You need a babysitter. Um, but still, you guys still have to see Endgame. Do not watch, do not listen to this podcast cause this is spoilerific. 
tons of spoilers from five, four, three, two, one, and spoilers go. So where are we starting? Everybody knows Thanos snapped and we lost half of the population, not just half of the people, half of the population, birds, trees, dogs, everything is gone. Everything. Everything. Are trees gone? Are, are trees actually gone? Yeah, like half the trees are gone. So like if you look at the world, like it is – they talk about like the world is actually getting a little bit better. And I think uh, Captain America actually talks about how the environment is healing and it's getting better because there's not so much a strain on resources. Mm-hmm. But because of um, that snap and because of such a dramatic change, there is um, a dramatic dramatic shift in ecosystems as well. Okay. Um, Which is evident in certain scenes. Which at this point, I can't pull up those scenes because this is a podcast with ears listening, not eye seeing. So... (laughs) I only just remember when they fixed everything, Ant-Man appeared and he was like, oh, I see birds. And that's like a sign that most of life was back. I don't know. But, and then they all get blasted. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a blast. Yeah. So, um, but there's a lot of people who are dealing with, of course, we're going to talk about grief, depression. There's Possibly PTSD. We're not sure of that, but there is a lot of grief. And when we're talking about grief that uh, throughout this, we're going to be talking about survivors' grief. We're going to be talking about complicated, uh, complicated grief. Um, Tony is dealing with a lot. Yeah, I and think- I think he's the first one we should talk about because when we start this movie, we start. No, we should start with Hawkeye because we start the movie with Hawkeye. Sure. I the, the, I think one of the things I loved most about this movie is that it gave me something that I've been wanting to see in these movies. And it's the whole entire first act of this movie. It's a drama. It's not really a superhero movie per se. It's really just people dealing with whatever happened after the snap. And... It, it, there's no action. There's no sort of fighting. It's just regular people who also happen to be heroes and have that history behind them. But right now, they're just trying to cope with life. And I really appreciated that because I love sort of when heroes are more grounded. Like movies like um, Watchmen which is another movie I really love because it's really a movie that's a drama with heroes Mm -hmm. (laughs) instead of just like an action movie. And that sort of twisting of the genre, I really love it. And so everybody is going through some form of grief. And that's really what we want to discuss here in this episode. And yeah, let's start with Hawkeye, as you said. Well, I think the, this is a movie where, like you said, it's, it's superheroes dealing with, and they said it in Infinity War, it's a loss that they, it's not just a loss, it's a huge loss. Everyone lost. 
Yeah. Um, and, it's, and you're not only losing um, the people you love, but it's also that concept of, you know, this is a, a universe-wide effect. Like, there's people died everywhere. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we have these situations, like, I still remember uh, my experience from 9-11, people watching uh, their televisions and, uh, you know, grieving for obviously that's that not they did they weren't necessarily impacted but when simply just seeing so much death or or so much loss it's it's bound to affect anybody because we're all empathetic to some point yep and you know so hawkeye was dealing with um hawkeye was dealing with the effects of civil war he had helped um, he and Ant-Man were two of the people who, uh, due to the, oh my God, the Accords, what were they called? The Sokovia Accords? Yes. Because of those Accords, they ended up with those stupid ankle monitors and they were homebound. Mm -hmm. So he was with his family, enjoying a nice day, teaching his daughter archery and calling him, calling her Hawkeye. Mm -hmm. and just enjoying time with her. And all of a sudden, the snap happens, and he loses his entire family. Which is horrible luck, because um, you're supposed to lose half of the universe, and that half just happened to include everyone in your core family. And it's scary because, you know, for parents, it's a, it's a scene where it's, it's parents want to protect their children, no matter what. What was he protecting his children from in that situation? Yeah. One minute they're there and the next they're gone. Yeah, and it's very interesting the way that scene is played out because he has absolutely no context, right? He's just talking with his family, and at one point, he just turns back and nobody's there. And it's like this moment when you lose your child in a mall, and you're like, where are they? I have to look for them. Like, eventually, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll find them, or at least you have that sort of hope. But he... He just stays there in nowhere, just looking around. And it's this confusion before the grief sets in that they're not even there. Where, where did they go? So that would be Hawkeye. And I think that one, I think that loss was one of the losses that was... The first loss and yet hit me the hardest mm -hmm. because Hawkeye tried to keep his family out of his superhero life. Um, you know, they didn't know, you know, his super, the, the superheroes did not know he had a family until, you know, what, uh, the age of Ultron? Yeah. So it wasn't until they almost had another loss 
that they met Hawkeye's family. Except for Natasha. Except for Natasha. And that was just because Natasha is so close. And and in all honesty, it's it's because Natasha is family. Mm-hmm. So the only family Hawkeye has left is Natasha. So the question is, why didn't he turn to Natasha? I think in part it's because he he sort of adopted this very toxic um, coping mechanism, which was just turned into sort of like a murdering vigilante um, across nations. Um, and maybe he just couldn't face her. Um Considering she's his only family, maybe she would have been the only um, influence that would sort of get him to address um, the way he's dealing with things. Well, it could have been that he was actually scared that he could have been scared that if he went to her, she would have been lost, too. Yeah, I guess. But at the same time, I don't think he's surprised that she's alive when she appears um, later in the movie. Oh, no, he's not. Yeah, So I'm guessing he knew she was alive. He just couldn't face her for X or Y reason. No. But at that point, he had done so much. Mm-hmm. All right. So we have Hawkman's loss. Hawkeye. Hawkman. But from now on, I'll call him Hawkman. He is now Hawkman. All right. So we have Hawkeye's loss. Um, Tony Stark and Nebula are drifting off in space alone at this point. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... And they've lost, they're they're the only two, um, they're the only two left. um, From from that team. From that team. Yeah. Now, the worst part is Nebula never had really a family that cared for her as she sees it. Mm Mm-hmm. And Tony lost someone he cared about a lot in Peter. Yeah. He was a sort of surrogate father figure for Peter. Mark, are you still there? Yes, I am. I'm just, you no. Know, I'm waiting for the perfect moment to chime in and give some very insightful uh, <laughs> viewpoint. But that moment has yet to appear, so I am <laughs> patiently awaiting my grand entrance. Okay. <laughs> I was like, um, did we lose Mark? <laughs> I mean, do, 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 you, do you want me to talk about for Tony for, for, for a second? Because, I, I mean, I, I feel like a lot of, like, his, especially his relationship with, with Peter Parker and Spider-Man here is um, kind of very important because... Um, not only was this more or less like uh in a figurative way like an adoptive like he was like an adoptive father to to Peter because of the fact that one Peter had lo- obviously lost his uncle Ben his his father figure 
mm-hmm. and Tony never really having that sort of close relationship with his father. You know, he wanted to make sure that he was he was better by trying to be a, a better mentor. And then when he loses Peter like that, it, it takes a very hard toll on him because he feels like he he failed. Mm-hmm. And then you know when he has his daughter Morgan, like it, it, now he's even more like. No, no, I am not risking this at all. Like, there is no way I'm going to help unless I know for 100% that when we are done with this, I will still have everything that I have now because I cannot lose her because he already lost Peter once to go through another loss of, of another child. Even if it's just a simple reset like that to him is still something that he doesn't want to go through. Yeah, and I think that that particular um, line of thought with with Tony was very important for that story to um, have ended and have be as complete as it was. Because I that moment when we see her daughter, his daughter, the first thing you think is, "Oh my God, what's going to happen to her?" Because um, all this time you're thinking, "Well, they'll reset the snap," but what happens to whatever happened? after the snap and that's that's a question that they deal with uh at the beginning of the movie and at that point they kind of come to the conclusion of well it's not a matter of you know like undoing the snap or like erasing the snap like you know making it as if it never happened but more of like we're just going to simply undo it we're going to keep everything we have but just bring everybody back just five years now into the future. So everyone that comes back will realize, Hey, look, it's now like 2024. Where were we for the past five years? Yeah. You know, and it's seen, that seems to be like the only way Tony is ever even agrees to, to help them out and, and to go on this journey to, uh, regather the infinity stones from the past. Mm-hmm. But for for the beginning of the film, actually, we see a very different Tony than after the five years, because he when he's in the ship, he sort of um, he's emaciated. He hasn't eaten or had any water for a long time, mm-hmm. and we see that sort of collapse, um, just his body collapsing from from being in space for so long, and after he's brought back. He's at this point where he's already, when he comes back, the first thing he tells Captain is like, you know, I lost a kid. And that part just, just broke my heart Mm -hmm. because just the, the look in his face and, you know, they've, they've been fighting. Um, I, I don't think they've seen each other since, um, Civil War, right? Yeah. Cause, cause he nope, was at the, uh, he, he was at, he was in, um, space when, in, yeah. uh, when infinity war started. Yep. And so, so this is the first time they face each other and he's like, you know, this is, this is the, what I can muster to say right now. You know, I lost the kid. And after that, he, he breaks down because throughout this whole series of movies, we see that. Um, after the first Avengers, um, Tony Stark has this, um, 
this moment when he's taking back a missile to that the Chitari, I think, is the the army that invades Earth. Yeah. Yeah. Um during the first Avengers, and he goes through a portal and he sees the armies and he he's terrified to his core. And then um Iron Man 3 sort of deals with his PTSD over that. And that that's something we've been dealing for every Avenger movie since, where he's like, you know, we need an armor over the earth, and he's um he's willing to sacrifice some civil liberties for us to be um protected in that way. Um and a lot of those movies sort of explore that. And he even mentions in, in Age of Ultron, like, you know, I'm just trying to save us from the end game. Yeah. And uh, surprise, surprise, the last <laughs> movie uh, in this series of movies is called The End Game. So we're directly uh, addressing um, that thing that um, Iron Man has been tra- trying to address from every movie. And it, this is the part where he sort of goes all out on Captain America, sort of um, acting out, letting him know that, you know, this is all your fault because while I was trying to protect Earth, you were um, guarding our civil liberties. Like, that mattered in the face of, you know, complete annihilation. And we we see this point where he completely just gives up in life. And he takes off his um his centerpiece which isn't really life preserving right but it's no, more of it's... like uh a symbolic gesture yeah um and to see him break down so much um and then see him recover after the last uh 5 years it really gives a lot of death to that character in this movie So and and I think it was um and I I don't know I think he had a little bit of post traumatic growth during that 5 years and I think it may have been because of Pepper and Morgan um or with the help of Pepper and Morgan um so post traumatic growth is the experience of um that um, the, the benefit of finding positive psychological change um, in adversity and traumatic challenges um, to rise to a higher level of functioning from that traumatic event. So he's had this traumatic event. He foresaw what was happening with, uh, with Thanos when he took the missile to the Chitari. We don't know how he's foresaw that because we were not privy to that. We know he's, he saw the Chitari coming through. Um, but he foresaw Thanos because he keeps talking about having seen Thanos and Thanos had that moment with him where he says, you saw this and he goes, I saw you. Um, so they apparently had some type of connection while he's, and it's so funny because he goes to this place when he, when we go to see his new house, it looks like he is so disconnected from the world. And then you go inside and it's just like a stark lab. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yep. just like regular Stark's labs. <laughs> he has, 
his his Jarvis table, which is not Jarvis anymore, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know what he calls it now. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. Um, and he's you know, it, and he's able to come up with everything. Um, and but he he wouldn't have been able to come up with any of his new newer ideas or even come up with the actual the 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 time vortex whatever he called it yeah if he hadn't moved past the trauma that he had with uh endured yeah i think in part it's because um tony stark has always been an inventor and he's always sort of had that as a um as a positive or as a strength mm-hmm. but part of his whole arc throughout these movies is this sense of oppressive responsibility where he feels responsible for the safety of the whole universe. And so when that is taken away from him, when he loses absolutely everything, he has no, he has nothing else but to, you know, cherish what he does have. And at the beginning of infinity war, He's sort of planning a life with um, Pepper Potts. And he's telling her, like, you know, there there will be no more surprises. We're going to get married. I had this dream that we were going to have a baby. And he really wants to pursue that. And then everything happens in, in Infinity War. And once everything is done and one, he's sort of endured it all, he has nothing else to fear because everything happened. And so what he's left with is this new family he's built. And that's his strength. And that's what sort of motivates him to to go on and perhaps even grow from his experience. Um, and that keeps on being his strength all the way to the end of the movie. So... Right. And now it's kind of funny. He builds Pepper a suit. Mm -hmm. Does he build her a suit because he knows he's, he can no longer keep being Iron Man or. I think it's more of like, um, because now that they're, most of the the superheroes that are that were around are gone now like they kind of need everybody and i think it's also just a matter of just a uh, protection for morgan as well like in case something happens both of them can stand up and protect morgan as opposed to just being tony yeah i and think then having to worry about both pepper and morgan but now pepper can put on this suit and take care of herself and morgan and get morgan to safety through you know the flight and all that stuff yeah, I, I really agree with you, Mark. And I think the way I see it is that whereas before he was worried about putting a suit of armor around the whole Earth, once that's done and he can sort of go to his family and he can be secluded in the woods, the suit of armor goes on his family. So. Uh, one one could say, like, he's like before an, an Ultron, he's trying to put this. Sh- armor around the world right Mm -hmm. 
Well, by this point, his family is his world, so he's putting the armor around his world still, just Mm -hmm. not the literal world, just his family. I like that saying. That's very nice. So, um, so he was in space for 22 days, um, which is how many movies there were that led up to Endgame. (laughs) Huh, I I didn't think about that. I Love You 3000 is the right time of how many minutes there are. If you watch all the movies up to Endgame. <laughs> is, is that real? Yeah. Did you look that up? Yeah. My goodness. Oh, my goodness. That. I feel like, okay, I want to talk a little bit about the, about the ending here. Okay. So, after... Tony does the snap and he dies and Mm -hmm. we have that like video projection of him, like basically like a a, a last will and testament, so to speak. Did anyone else get like a callback to the second Iron Man movie when he's watching that old, the very old footage of his dad. And then at the very end of the footage, like his dad saying about how no matter what his proudest creation will always be Tony. And then at the very end of this movie, you know, he look like the way the the projection, the the video is looking. It's like looking directly at Morgan saying, I love you 3000. And it's like this complete like father, like son uh, dynamic here where Mm -hmm. they're both they both can't be around forever. And they both probably could have been better at uh, being a father, but they both still tried their best. Mm-hmm. And they want them to know that even though they're not around anymore, that they're always going to be loving their child. And they want their child to know that. Well, actually, that actually brings up the great that great thing where so Tony got to go back and actually get to speak to his father. Um, which is something most people can't do when their parents pass away, of course. Um, so Tony got to speak to his to his dad. Um, and he got to find out that his dad was actually really concerned about being a good dad. (laughs) Um, and that helped, helped him feel better about the relationship that they had. Mm -hmm. Um, because that was always a thing that he was concerned about, that he, that his father didn't care, that his father was just concerned about work. Um, it was always about work. He didn't want to worry about him. You know, it wasn't about him. And and this was a moment where he was like, oh, my dad was actually worried about, you know, us, about me. Mm-hmm. Um, and was concerned about being a good dad. Um, and he got to hug his father, even though his father didn't know who he was. Um, and we got to see the wonderful thing of Jarvis, which a lot of people didn't realize who he was unless you watch the Peggy Carter TV uh, show. Um, and, of course, Peggy Carter. Yay! Because I loved that show. It was actually so good. <laughs> are, are we going to Captain America now, or are we still on Iron Man? Um, I think we should just, like, put Iron Man to bed. So, uh, good night, uh, Iron Man. Uh, I hate I, saying goodbye to Iron Man. I cried. 
I'm going to say really that right now. I cried. Full-on tears were coming down my face when that ending was happening. And I wanted nothing more than to just sob like an inconsolable child in that theater when when he did his own snap. Because... Yeah. Because we all knew that with that snap and with that final saying that he was he he, he go bye bye, mm-hmm. and I mean we all kind of knew that that was gonna happen. Just I mean like if as long as if you paid attention to to real world aspects, you knew that like this was gonna be the last movie with 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 Robert Downey Jr. This and that like this was gonna be the last time him playing Iron Man. So of course they were gonna send this have this big send off for him. In this movie, considering he his movie was the one that started it all, yeah, I, I don't know, I, I I cried, I cried so much. Okay, one one last thing before we send um the proof that Tony Stark has a heart flowing down the lake, um that moment when Peter Parker comes back mm-hmm. and he's sort of trying to explain whatever happened. Um, to to Tony and Tony just hugs him, and this is Tony getting what was lost and keeping what was found at that exact moment, and that I think that's where it all sort of um closes for Tony, and he knows that everything's gonna be all right. <laughs> and and Peter going, oh oh, this is nice. Okay. <laughs> Just a hug. (laughs) And what Peter doesn't realize, at least at that very moment, is that Tony mourned his death for five years. And he was still in mourning um, throughout this movie. And to see him back and and to have that sort of surrogate son back and to know that he's going to have a full life ahead of him, it sort of gave... I think that also gives Tony sort of the strength to make that sort of decision of, you know, I can I can sacrifice myself for this. Mm-hmm. And to all to any of those who may have watched the new Spider-Man Far From Home trailer, like they they talk about that in, yeah. the, tra- in the trailer. They give a little brief snippet snippet about that, about this whole thing, about, you know, you know, Peter Parker now grieving about Tony Stark, but um, yeah, that's all I'm gonna say about that because just in case, because that's still kind of new. So if you haven't seen Endgame, like you know, we'll, we'll and of course to and and to finally put Iron Man uh to bed, he needed Pepper Potts' permission to finally rest. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, my heart. My heart. Uh, hold on, though. Hold on, hold on. I just want to point out one little Easter egg thing that took me until like until after watching it a second time for me to get this. Mm-hmm. You guys remember, like right before they they they're all about to go into their separate teams to go back in time, right? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And they all put their fists in. Mm-hmm. Do you kn- if you were to like freeze frame it right there with all their fists in, and like you see like the bottom of like their little. Oh, it looks like an arc reactor. It looks reactor. like the arc, the old arc reactor. Yeah. I was like, I remember seeing that still frame and I was just like, I stared at it for like two seconds and I was just like, oh my God. I had to like, like hit my girlfriend a couple times. I was like, hey, 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 come look at this. Come look at this. 
tell me what you see. And then when she didn't get it, I told her she she flipped out too. She was like, oh my goodness. And I was like, yes. Um, so, dang so. this movie. Who, who do we want next? Um, okay. we've got, the other uh, protagonist of this film. There are so many of them. I think it's like main, main protagonist. It's always been Tony and Captain. Okay. And Don't sort you of. mean America's ass? America's ass. Yes, exactly. How America's ass mourned um, the snap. And so how does Captain America actually start? in the movie. Are you talking about like the very, very beginning or like mm-hmm. after before the five, five months, five years, the five years, yeah. <laughs> the five, five months. months. <laughs> Sorry. That was, that was like Freudian slip, hopeful, hopeful thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's just kind of, he's still kind of like, I think he's more in disbelief of what's happening. Mm-hmm. Like he, he, and he's trying to, process it all but i i feel like it's just something that he's just like well shit i think that's kind of more of his mentality he's just like well "Well, shit and that's the thing it's captain america was not the one to curse Mm -hmm. and this is where we're starting to realize that something's going wrong with captain america he's losing his moral compass Mm -hmm. so and this is where it's like okay because I, I kind of feel weird about going out of order like this because I feel like we should go to jump to Nebula for because we need to go to Thanos and Thor and like we gotta well we don't have to go to Thanos really but we have to go to Th- <laughs> like he dies that's it that's all you get Thanos dies Thanos. we don't fucking care about Thanos um but Because they go, they go to that world. They go to the world, like they get Tony back with the help of Captain Marvel, mm-hmm. and then they go to this world to to well to stop Thanos because he uses the stone again, the stones again, and they find out that he used the stones to destroy the stones. And this is where they've become they become hopeless because up until this point they could they had hope up until this point we can get Thanos we can get the stones we can save we can save everyone yeah and now. Thanos has been was like, nope, destroy the stones, screw you guys. And Thor's like, well, on that note, chopping your head off. He's like, went for the head. <laughs> didn't miss this time. <laughs> uh, didn't didn't they state that Thor had purposely missed like did not aim for the head because he wanted Thanos to suffer? I'm pretty sure that was that was something that they revealed after Infinity War. No, Thor just went for the child. Like no, no, I feel like they they later clarified and stated that um, Thor specifically did not go for the head because he wanted Thanos to suffer 
for what he did to Loki as well as the his you know the Asgardians. Well, but because whatever, he didn't whatever. go for the quick kill, that's why Thanos was able to do it, and I think that's why it hits Thor so hard that after he finds out that Thanos destroyed the stones and he cannot uh, bring everybody back. And that's why well, he takes it. I feel like that's why he takes it so hard because he's like, well, that's this was my fault. I let Thanos do the snap because I did not go for the head. And that's why he kind of makes that joke. Yeah. Well, well, so I, I can I can see that point. But we also have to understand that Thanos lost his mom in um a dark world. Was in it Thor? Thor? I mean, th- I fucking, te- fucking tease. Uh, <laughs> I was like, Thor wait, lost- Thanos has a mom? Yeah, of Thanos course Thanos has, has a mom. mom. How do you Everybody know? Maybe he's he has like a mitotic sort of species that just... Yeah. I don't think the mom. Titans were like that. Yeah, so Thor, uh, Thor lost his mom in Thor, a dark world. Um, and that did affect him, um, which of course is discussed in this movie. Um but did affect him in that movie, but he doesn't really get to grieve. Mm-hmm. From uh, from Thor Dark World, what's the next movie for Thor? Ragnarok. Yeah. Okay. And he loses his father. Yeah. And then Infinity War, he loses his brother and his best friend. So, he's... And then Infinity War, he loses half his, his people. Mm-hmm. He has not been able to grieve at all. And the thing is, actually, um, in Infinity War, he's sort of um, grieving while he's walking. He's like, he has these moments where he's like sitting in the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy ship and he's saying like, you know, I lost everyone. I have nothing else um, to hope for. Like, I just want to get this axe, this weapon to kill a god and kill Thanos and have that revenge. Um, That's sort of his motivation during Infinity War. Mm -hmm. And during this one, you know, he's already lost. And this is the point where, you know, there is no, even when he gets to go for the head, like, it doesn't fix anything. It doesn't change anything. It's just... Everything still happened, and he still has to grieve, and he can't allow himself to grieve. Um, he he can't. He's having a hard time, sort of facing those feelings and growing from them. So, so Thor is at that point where he's he is he feels guilty. He feels, of course, depressed. He's. I mean, completely at a loss. Um, and he, uh, but he has the Avengers who, and it's not that the Avengers are being assholes to him, but they're all at this point that all of them feel hopeless. Mm-hmm. So all of them are at that point that none of them can be helpful or beneficial or even be that person to be like hey i'm here if you need me if you need that shoulder to cry on because 
guess what? Capped over there that has always been like, hey, watch your mouth is being like, oh, shit. I can't believe this is happening now. <laughs> Wait, what are you talking after or before the five years? Uh, this is after the five years. This is like what's going on now is Captain is they're all raw. None of them are helping and none of them are there to be a f helpful for each other. I mean, Captain was there for um, Black Widow. He would come back to her and sort of say, you know, they're still grieving, but he could still be there for her um, <laughs> and grieve together. But I, I feel sort of Thor was grieving in such a toxic manner that perhaps people are just pushed away by it. It's again, it's just they're all they're all at a point where they all need professional help at this point. Mm -hmm. <laughs> none of them are going to be beneficial for any one of them. You know, Cap I, I feel Cap I'm sorry. What? Well, I was gonna say, you know what I feel like what makes it even harder for Thor is that Okay, so not only at the beginning of Infinity War does he lose basically half of his his people, but then I'm, you have to assume that after the snap, even more Asgardians are lost. And then on top of having to, uh, on top of you know killing Thanos and realizing that he can't, they can't bring anybody back. Now he has to go back and lead these people that he already feels like he's unworthy of leading. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this, and then having to face all of these people and say like, "Well, we, I failed. I, there's nothing I can do, guys. I, I, I let you all down." But he has to live in that now, yeah. Because and, he's and still technically their ruler, and they, he, they still need him, even though he feels like he's not capable or he's not worthy enough to to lead these people. And that's I love why that word worthy because thor is all about being worthy based on somebody say the word of this hammer because i can't say it mjolnir mjolnir yeah say just say stormbreaker because that's the new that's the new axe anyway yes but he gets the hammer back <laughs> yes because it's after he talks to his mother and he finally gets the closure on her death that he kind of realizes like it's okay i don't need to be the ruler of asgard it no, might, he that might it's, it's not that he's he's thinking to himself he doesn't need to be the ruler of Asgard. He finally talks to his mom and gets to finally basically say goodbye to her. He didn't get well, to say goodbye. He he had to watch his mom get murdered. <laughs> well, yeah, and what I'm saying is that like yes, he gets that, but that's not part of like that. That's not the part of the whole him summoning the hammer and it's coming back to him because he feels like he's un still unworthy and after talking to his mother and getting that closure and realizing that he doesn't like he doesn't need to be the ruler of asgard to still be thor that that's when he real that and that's when that satisfaction that status uh, um, what's the word i'm looking for uh that Mm, it's right there. The satisfaction. There you go. Okay. The satisfaction of, of summoning Milner and it's still coming to him only gives him that relief that knowing to like that to him that he knows that he's still a worthy person to wield the hammer. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. even though he's not he doesn't feel like he needs to be the ruler of Asgard anymore. Now he can pass that mantle onto somebody else. He can be himself, but he can still be worthy. He can still be a worthy champion of the hammer. And that's what I feel like after talking to his mother, this is where you really see that that growth and that uh, acceptance of of his failures and learning to move past them and using them as a strength to uh, give himself the the motivation and the determination to avenge those that have been fallen or that have passed because of Thanos and and will find a way to bring them all back. Yes. I dumbfounded cat. Oh no. Mm. Um so are we talking about Thor now? <laughs> I thought we were We've talking, been talking about, about Thor. Thor. Okay. <laughs> so uh, where were you for the past like 30 minutes? Okay, I, I I didn't know if we were still going by by time or just by character. Um but yeah, let's talk about Thor. So when, when, and, you know, I've heard about this so much. There's been a lot of criticism for sort of the portrayal of Thor at the very beginning um, when sort of Hulk is, comes to visit him and we've known that he's sort of gone in, into a spiral and he's gained some weight and there's a lot of sort of camera time invested in the size of his belly and so there's a lot of discussion going around mm-hmm. um, about, you know, the, the concept of fat shaming and whether that was a, a good way to sort of um, portray that. Um, does anybody have any uh, opinion on that part? I don't want to focus so much on the weight that he's gained so much of the fact that he has... <sighs> stop taking care of himself. Mm-hmm. And I think um, he's not the only one who portrays that. Um, and we'll talk about that with that character also. Um, Thor isolates. And, and I'm going to say something that comes off as negative dependent on the group that you're in mm-hmm. but he's playing he's playing he's playing Fortnite, right mm-hmm. and i'm i'm of the camp that normally says gaming and gaming with friends is great especially because it's usually a really good situation that allows you to still allow you to participate with your friend groups but he is using it as an escape from his um, actual duties. He's supposed to be the king of Asgard. Um, as we hear from Valkyrie, he has not been seen by his people at all. Mm-hmm. So he's using it as an escape. He's avoiding his duties as the king of Asgard. Nobody has seen him. Literally, they just dump dump these kegs of beer um 
and they may see him when he comes out to pick up pick up the kegs, but even then, you may not. Yeah, and so so this is a situation where video games for him are an escape. Mm-hmm. Um, he has the two friends that are there, which aren't doing anything to actually help him get out. They're just kind of, you know, so. We, supports are supposed to be there to help support but these are two friends that are fine with just being inside not doing anything that's the way they are yeah so and i, th- if, if I think, think that's well go ahead yeah part of why i asked this question is because um i love this movie i thought i think it's quite possibly my favorite um Marvel movie up to this point, but this was a, a a scene where it sort of took me out of the if sort of it's not suspend disbelief, but it sort of um, took me out of the emotional um, sort of arc I was going through throughout mm-hmm. this movie because we know that Marvel is the way these movies are made; they sort of intersperse you know, genuine moments of emotion with um, comedy and sort of these gags. And they always pull it off. And for this one moment to sort of just focus on how much he's gained weight, it sort of took me out because um, it's not something I particularly sort of find uh, funny to laugh at, Um, sort of focusing on somebody's weight and and the size of their belly when i feel there was so much that could be explored in terms of how thor is grieving especially with how well he was sort of portrayed in infinity war and how much he was grieving that and so could could we say that thor has become an alcoholic um after the events of infinity war I, I feel like he's always been an alcoholic. That's that's something I find hard because I think him as an Asgardian has always been more tolerant to alcohol. But I think the framing of how it's shown in this particular um, movie, it is you do see it as a coping mechanism that is unhealthy. And I think there is there are ways to sort of focus on on the way he's grieving and still have these sort of comedic moments and i think for example that Fortnite um event is one of those ways in which it's not the fact that he's playing video games that is toxic it's the the part where he talks to the kid um noob master 69 was it um and he's like going all out and he's being very aggressive and very um um, sort of violent in the way that he's speaking, and then you learn that he, you know, he's talking to a little kid, and he's like, "Yeah, go cry to your parents," and that's sort of the toxicity of, um, how he's grieving and how he's sort of um, lashing out at everybody, um, in his life, and it was sort of played out for comedy, and I think it was more effective there than it was sort of with all these panning shots to his uh, awful sort of belly prosthetic. Um, 
which sort of pokes fun at the fact that, haha, he's he's gotten fat, and we're accustomed to seeing Thor as this super cut sort of um, Norse god. Um, so I kind of want to just provide a different different viewpoint on the the whole fat Thor thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally don't think that all these panning shots to his belly were supposed to be used for comedic effect. That scene itself is more comedic in nature, yes, but the the fact that he's fat, I don't think was supposed to be for comedy. I don't think it was something to laugh at. I mean, yeah, sure, pro- people probably did laugh at it, but it was to constantly show that Thor is not coping well. He's not grieving properly. He's using all these unhealthy methods to to cope with the losses and his failures that um you know he he can't like that that's why he's letting himself go that uh like I said he's 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 not doing what he needs to be doing to to be healthy because He's trapped in his own mind, and, and, and you know, during that scene when Hulk mentions Thanos's name, he immediately is like, "Don't say that name." Yeah, he doesn't want to hear it because it's still, because he's still technically lost to Thanos. Even if he chopped off his head, he's still lost to Thanos. And he's still sort of in denial because he's sort of saying like, "I'm not afraid of Thanos. I'm not afraid of that name." Like. I was the one who chopped his head off. Did did you all remember that? Like, um, and he's trying to sort of posture to make you believe that he's over it when everybody in the audience and in that scene knows that's not necessarily the case. Um, and the truth is, you know, especially if we're talking about alcoholism, gaining weight is a part of that. So I, I'm... I'm definitely not advocating for the idea that he shouldn't have gained weight as a a plot device and we shouldn't have seen that part of him um after drinking but um I think there is a, so much more that you can focus especially when it comes to alcoholism that can really show you how how that is a a unhealthy um coping mechanism the lengths to which he might go to get another drink or the sort of aggressiveness to which he can sort of defend himself. Those are things that you would really wish to focus on. If, if I were, you know, I'm here as an armchair writer, but I, I definitely do think that the Marvel um, writers are great writers and they could have done something better to sort of portray that and portray alcoholism or even if it's not alcoholism, just those coping mechanisms more and not focus as much on the prosthetic with the, with the camera. I, you know, I remember reading um, this thing, I believe I, I can't even remember when I read it, but I know it was within the last couple of days um, where they were getting Chris Hemsworth's actual reaction to the idea of Fat Thor. Mm-hmm. And the Russo brothers uh, gave this interview and they were talking about it. And they ran it by, uh, you know, Hemsworth asking him, like, you know, what do you think about this and that in terms of Thor's character arc? 
And Hemsworth is completely on board for this. He really, really enjoyed the idea of seeing this, uh, uh, these unhealthy coping mechanisms in Thor because he hasn't had the proper time to grieve for the insurmountable amount of losses that he's had to go through in such a short amount of time and a lot of very intimate losses too. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, you know, when they're going through and talking about the Infinity Stones, you know, he remembers, uh, you know, Kate and how that relationship ended. And I'm sure it's probably not one that he wanted to end, but it just it just happened. Mm-hmm. And so, again, that's another thing that he probably had to repress and, and put off to the side because he had bigger responsibilities to, to take care of and handle. And. Uh, the idea of seeing this fat Thor uh, is just a, one of those ways of seeing how doesn't matter how mighty you are, you're still susceptible to the same unhealthy coping mechanisms. You're still susceptible to the the impact and the the weight of of grief and mourning, just as everyone else is. Doesn't matter how strong you might be, you could still you know, lose it all. And that's, and that's one of those great things to show. And then towards the end of the movie, when you're going, getting ready for that big final battle, you know, this is one of those things where that, that whole fat shaming thing, I feel like doesn't really pan out well, because even when Thor calls both Stormbreaker and Milnir and he gets into his battle suit, he's still, obviously he's still fat, but he's still able to pretty much, you know, kick ass. Yeah, and I that's something I, I can definitely be grateful about. It's somewhat similar to the way a lot of people were um, praising Into the Spider-Verse for showing a sort of dad bod Peter Parker and uh, letting people know that, you know, you don't have to be this sort of fit, completely fit um, figure to still be able to do great things. Um I mean, you can still criticize that scene for what that scene is um, outside of the context of the rest of the film. And that's, I don't know, that, those are my two cents on the matter. So do you think we, we I think we've thoroughly covered Thor, do you think? Yep. I think so. Um... Yeah, I mean, I, I like that he was able to finally say, okay, yeah, um, I don't think I want to be king of Asgard, and he gives it to uh, he gives it to Valkyrie. Yes. Um. That was yeah. That was just awesome. That was awesome. So Valkyrie is now queen of Asgard. No, she's king of Asgard. Okay, king of Asgard. Yeah. Do you not know that she's the king? Okay. Um, Anyone else want to talk about that woman scene for for just a second, though? That was the most amazing scene. I can't. That was my life right there. Honestly, same, though. I was like, (laughs) it's about time we see all these badass women just kick ass. Honestly, my, my favorite one was Pepper. I loved her in that suit. So, so um, for anybody who doesn't know the Marvel, the, not the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but the Marvel, uh, I guess, co- comic universe, 
um, Pepper Potts actually does have her own um, armor, and it's Rescue. I think that was the one that it was called. Um, um, so that was actually what she was wearing. So that was freaking phenomenal to actually see her in Rescue, full on getup. Um, and see her come out like full front and center and help Peter get the glove across the battlefield. Um, that was just amazing. Um, her Captain Marvel, where the hell did Valkyrie get a Pegasus from? Like, like, is there a Pegasus R us that she just goes to and just, Oh, Hey, by the way, need a Pegasus. (laughs) No, she's she's always had the Pegasus. If you remember in Thor Ragnarok when she's talking about the past of the Valkyries, like that's the that's their steeds. That's what they ride on. They ride on Pegasi. Okay, yeah. She had them when all the Valkyries had Pegasi. Then she they probably, all died. She, yeah, so where the fuck hers, did they all probably, go? She probably and still then, had hers. Okay. In what fucking stable were they at when Asgard was destroyed? I think they were there in the background, and we never saw them up until Does now. Does she keep it in her fucking pocket? Uh, maybe. Does she, like, throw it out like some fucking marbles and a horse just pops out? I, you I know think what? she it's... summons it like like Mjolnir. <laughs> yeah, it's like... <laughs> it's it like, it's magic, all right? Galaxy. <laughs> it's magic, all right? She could just summon the horse, and it just rains down from the heavens, and boom, she's got a Pegasus. I mean... And she I just chose not to fuck. use it throughout Ragnarok. That was my, that's what I'm getting at. I fucking <laughs> love the Pegasus, but she didn't use it through the whole fucking movie. Come on now. <laughs> it was just for visual effect and it was amazing. And that, <laughs> uh, I don't think, yeah. Just, just let it happen. Just, just let just, it happen. <laughs> Stop trying to make fetch happen. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even get me started on Mean Girls, honestly. That's what I really want is for this to be a sort of um, an auger of what's to come in terms of female representation in Marvel movies. And I definitely want more leading female roles. So, um, um, dude. So, freaking, um, what's her name? Wanda. Uh-huh. What's her name? Scarlet Witch. Scarlet Witch. Yes. She oh my goodness! Is that oh, so freaking powerful, amazing. And Shuri, I love Shuri. She's adorable, and I want her in my back pocket. I want her to be my best friend. I'm gonna be like texting her and be like, "Hey, what's up?" Uh, let's she'll go shopping. be shipping you sneakers. Hell's yeah! Oh my god, I want to be climbing a wall with Shuri sneakers. Seriously, be like, what are those? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yes, I love Shuri. She's phenomenal. Um, but (laughs) she's just insane. But yeah, all the women coming out, Wasp, just Captain Marvel. But I feel like Captain Marvel was not used enough in this movie. (laughs) Yeah, I think they just wanted to (laughs) hold off on the OP for a second. Like once and gone. (laughs) Well, to be fair, she was punched with the power stone. Fuck that shit. <laughs> it's Captain Marvel. I mean, he did headbutt her and she didn't even flinch. Yeah. As she like proceeded to like basically break his hand. Yeah. So, um, 
But I feel Nebula had a really great arc in this story, and we got to see the most growth for Nebula's character, mm-hmm. not through Guardians of the Galaxy, but through Endgame. Mm-hmm. Because through Guardians of the Galaxy, she was an antagonist. Um, but we actually got to to know her more as what she wanted, what she was trying to gain the most in this movie. I mean, yeah, you know, she, she wanted a sister and we learned that in uh, when her and Nebula were fighting, but like it was this movie where she was trying to help them find this, like refine the stones that we actually feel for Nebula. Yeah. And because she has to confront her previous self. And we see the connection she can make with people when she tries to help Tony. Mm -hmm. So she does have, she does have a heart. I feel like in this entire movie, really with Nebula, she just wants like a sense of connection to people. Because, you know, we know that with her quote-unquote family that, you know, it was very brutal. You know, she basically was like the unloved daughter of Thanos. And then when she finally feels like she's forming a family with Gamora, she dies. Mm -hmm. You know, and so now she has the Guardians, but now everyone except Rocket is gone. And you even see like in the beginning of the movie when they come back to Earth that her and Rocket are holding hands because the only family they ever knew is now dead. They're gone. And so now I feel like at this point, Nebula is really just trying to find a sense of of connection and really a, a family. She just wants to feel like she belongs somewhere. And that's why she's so willing to do all these things. And, and plus in hopes of bringing back the family that she had. Yeah, while and gaining more, I, she's she's really just trying to understand what having a family actually means, because she, for her whole life, she, family to her has been her trying to impress her father, and you know, sharing this sort of traumatic relationship with his father, with his with her sister but not being able to fully settle into that relationship because at, at the end of everything, you were still competing with your sister. Um, so she, she never had that opportunity to sort of bond with Gamora, except in, I think it was Guardians of the Galaxy 2, there mm-hmm. was a moment where it, they were sort of bonding and then she loses Gamora. And now she's at a point where she's like, you know, I lost my only family, but I have a taste of what it is to have a relationship with someone that isn't just horrible. And throughout this movie, she has to go back into the past and share a brain with herself. Um. And she has to sort of confront that part of herself that is her past self that, you know, feels that she can't escape Thanos, that there is no other way to sort of be happy but to 
keep trying to please Thanos and earn his respect and his love. And uh, there's that part right at the end where she faces herself and she tells herself, like, you know, you can join us in this fight. Like, there is a possibility in which there's a, a, a parallel world in which Gamora and me are, you know, sisters and friends and, you know, past Nebula says, you know, he won't let me. And that's when she decides to sort of shoot herself, symbolically speaking. Mm-hmm. And she has to let that part of herself die. That part of herself that felt that there was no other way out of this toxic relationship she had with her her father. What are you talking about figuratively? She literally shot herself. <laughs> yeah, she literally shot herself, but didn't no literally shoot herself. No, this- she did literally shoot herself. <laughs> she figuratively killed the past that that old repressed part of herself that that part that's always connected to thanos she figuratively killed that but she literally shot and killed herself i mean you could say that there are two different nebulas no i'd say they're one and the same Mm. they're just it's almost like different aspects of her personality just manifested in as as a past and a present nebula but there's still the same nebula. It's just different aspects of our personality that are being shown. We're going to get too philosophical with this question. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm already <laughs> lost. <laughs> I mean, you could you could say something about, you know, it's two different personalities of, of nebula, but then we get the split personality and then we're so going out a rabbit say, hole. So would you say if I make a clone of you, and give that clone different memories than the ones you have, but some that you actually share, would you say you're the same person? Nope. Nope. Not talking about it. Okay. <laughs> no. No. Nope. Because different that's topic, different. Different topic. No. Hold on. Hold on. We, hold on. Let me answer that question. No. Nope. First nope. off, that's not what happens here with Nebula. <laughs> they, they, they share the exact same memories. The only thing is that the present Nebula has... More this, memories. This, this, she has more oh, memories God. that leads to this progression as to why she is the way she is now. But the nebula in the past and the present nebula still have the same exact set of memories, which is why they are the same person. No, because what uh, you're no, saying because past nebula still has memories of watching the footage, the footage of present nebula and her memories. But, but she didn't. But she didn't. But she didn't. But she's just watching them, not experiencing them. Exactly. That's so, the, that's the dip. But the thing is, is that they're still the same person. What you were saying was by cloning me, but implanting different memories in that clone, except for a select few memories. Now you're saying, okay, yeah, that would be a different person. But in this case, they have the same exact sa- set of memories up until this point where the two timelines converge on each other. Which are two different memories, and they're two different people. That's why they don't make the same decisions. What? No, because the thing is, is that the present day Nebula has these already experiences after that. After that particular point in time, the present Nebula has experienced so much more that causes her to change and and mature as a person. But that Nebula that's at that current point in time 
that fights with the present day Nebula is still the same Nebula, but she just hasn't gone through the same experiences yet. And now she never will because she, you know, took a phaser to the chest. What do you think, listeners? Do you believe that it's still the same Nebula? Or do you think these Nebulas are different? Let us know in the Geek Therapy forums. That's geektherapy.com slash forums. No, it's not. It's forum.geektherapy.com. Get it right. I will post links to this in the notes. Don't worry. But we still have a whole lot to still talk about. Because we still haven't even gotten to Captain America or Mm Ant-Man or Natasha. I feel like there isn't really much to say about Ant-Man. Do you want to just go over Ant-Man really quick? Because there really isn't... Let's talk about... Okay, let's talk about Ant-Man real quick. Because Ant-Man was in the... Where was he again? In the five In the five years, we thought he was actually snapped. But if you saw the Ant-Man and Wasp, he was not snapped. He was in the... Quantum yeah. Realm. Quantum in, Realm. In, Thank in you. Infinity War, we don't see Ant-Man at all. So we had no idea what he was doing. Same as Valkyrie. And then after we saw Ant-Man and the Wasp, we learned that he was stuck in the parallel, in the... Quantum realm. Quantum realm, yeah. And everybody else in the Wasp was snapped. So now the good thing is his family survived the snap, which was great, but he still missed five years of his daughter's life. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's with the help of... Ant-Man that they're able to finally come up with the plan to help save the world. So it's all thanks to random rat. In, <laughs> Pretty much. In that storage facility. It's thanks to random rat that we get to see everybody back yes. after the snap. So again, if you don't remember that scene, go see the movie again. Come back. <laughs> or go see it three more times and then come back. I mean, exactly. no one's going to judge you. Um, Ant-Man is... <sighs> Ant-Man isn't really grieving because he didn't lose a lot, but he is seeing his friends go through a lot of loss. Um, and he is trying to come up with a plan to help his friends. Um, but he is... He has lost somebody because um, I forget her name. The person who plays the uh, not the person who plays the wasp, but the wasp is actually has been snapped, and so has Hank Pym, who who was the person who created the uh, the um, Ant Man stuff. The Pym particle. The Pym particle. Thank you. I saw. I'm sorry. I've seen Ant Man only twice. <laughs> oh, and the thing is, they've been gone for five hours. Yes. So that was the other thing. So Ant-Man has only been gone five hours where everybody has been gone for like five years. So he's really not, he, he doesn't, he doesn't see that there's that much of a difference. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, And so, so I, I think part of it is he grieves the years he's lost with his, with his daughter because if you see every single Ant-Man film, that guy is this anything for his daughter. Yeah. He's he this character that um when I rewatched Ant-Man and the Wasp, there's this beautiful scene where he creates this whole sort of dungeon um or sort of cave for him to go 
adventure with his daughter and he he creates this whole story because he's still homebound because he because of the events of of civil war he has that ankle detector thing where he he can't leave his house and so you notice this is somebody who lives for his daughter he he loves his daughter and suddenly five hours go by and you lost five years of your daughter's life. Mm -hmm. Um, And you weren't able to be there in her formative years um, as a child. And now she's a, she's a teenager, right? Or yeah, she's a teenager. um, And I'm guessing, I I don't know if they make this clear, but I'm, I'm guessing she went on to live with her aunt. No, she's with mom. She, okay, so she's with her mom. And so, you know, he lost those years and, and there's no way to get them back. He can never um, sort of be a, a father for her during those years. So it's it's a good sort of, there's this many stories of parents who sort of miss years of their children's lives. And this is a good sort of analogy for that. And he's he's missed years of her life before because of being in jail. But but I think he could still sort of talk to her by phone. Yeah, he could. Something. But and and this is a completely different. It's somewhat different, somewhat similar situation. And eh, depending on the situation, uh, if you're in jail, sometimes they don't allow you to speak to children. It's again, depending on the situation. Um, that's a different top topic altogether. So, um, I think we're going to leave the captain America for last because the Hulk, the Hulk is actually one of the most well adjusted, mm-hmm. um, characters. Um, he becomes professor Hulk, which people didn't realize. Um, some people didn't like the character that they saw, which was stupid. <laughs> Can I just say why, one why thing? Why did he have to dab? Why not? Uh, this that, is Professor Hulk. This is what he does now. He dabs. He, he, he dabs. Because Bruce Banner is a dork. And dorks try to be, like, cool and that's what dorks do <laughs> and kids admire him and perhaps like kids are starting to see him as a role model and he has to sort of he he feels this responsibility to also like connect with these kids and oh, yeah. be a symbol of hope for them so and if that's what it takes if if dabbing is what it takes to be that symbol of hope dab away yeah. Bruce Banner you know, I, I first thought when, when we were first got introduced to Hulk that he had managed to turn back into the Hulk and this was just another like aged up Hulk. So now the Hulk was even smarter. Uh-huh. And then it wasn't until he finally said like, you know, I fused the brain and the brawn together. So now I'm just permanently this this big, like muscular monster, but I still have my conscience mm-hmm. that I was like, oh, OK, that makes sense. So now, and the good thing is, it's he doesn't have to live in that constant fear of if I'm too angry, I'm gonna just explode and I'm gonna break things, I'm gonna destroy things. 
and he he doesn't have to worry about you know as the hulk he doesn't have to worry about i need to be smart enough to be able to handle this situation um yeah i think part of what i love about how hulk ended up in this movie first of all this movie as we've already mentioned it sort of it shows us the variety and diversity of ways in which people mourn mm -hmm. and hulk is perhaps one of the most uh, resilient ones mm -hmm. but hulk has been coping with his very being since the beginning of the mcu he's and, been, he's been mourning since day one <laughs> yeah and part of it is you know during the the edward norton part of the mcu he was sort of just coping with the idea that you know I get angry and I smash stuff and I can't have a normal relationship with somebody because every time I get my heart rate goes up, you know, bad stuff happens. And so during Avengers, the first one, he manages to sort of control the Hulk in a way. And there's a lot of sort of suggesting like, you know, oh, how does he get to do that? And there's this moment in Avengers where he says, This is how I control the Hulk. I'm. It's not that I'm controlling my anger; is that I'm always angry. And this is that's something that he says before the the like main action scene of that whole movie where they're all fighting in in New York. Mm -hmm. And that that doesn't seem like a completely fully formed coping mechanism yet. It's still it, it's a form to control the Hulk, but you know, being angry all of the time isn't isn't particularly healthy he's still caring with that he's just letting it out in bursts so he can sort of control when he's sort of smashing everything and when he's just being bruce banner and during age of ultron we have this whole arc for him where he's You know, he, he because he can't control the hulk while he's being the hulk and he needs um Black Widow to be there for him to calm him down. There's there's these moments where she can't be there for him, and so he ends up doing a lot of collateral damage and having to face the consequences for that. And at the end of that movie, you know, he's shuttled off in a ship, and he ends up in Ragnarok, where we learn that he wasn't able to come back from from being the Hulk for years. And he was just this angry green person for years. And during Infinity War, we see that he's back to being Bruce Banner, but he he has this whole impotence metaphor. And yes, I'm using impotence again. Um, you really do like impotence. Yeah. And he's like, <laughs> you know, I can't summon the Hulk. I can't, you know, bring him back because, you know... There's a part of him who that's afraid of being that angry, and the Hulk is 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 afraid of of showing its face and having to fight Thanos because he was sort of, you know, really beaten into a bad shape at the beginning of Infinity War. So that's the whole Hulk character arc. It's not just Infinity War, and for him to be in this one moment, you know, in in relatively, you can say, oh, Hulk had the quickest. Um, resiliency and and sort of 
mourning because he seems so well off right now. But really, it's because he's been working on himself since day one. And so after this happens, he he just he gets that last piece of the puzzle, which is I have to accept every part of me and learn to be all of it at once. And that's why in this movie, we don't get to see a lot of a lot of sort of arcs from Hulk because his arc has been all of the all of the MCU up until now. I like that he gave um, Ant-Man his taco when. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so see that, that meme where it was like, he attack, he protect, but most importantly, he gave Ant-Man his taco back. No! Yes. Yeah, it was, uh, it was the gra- it's the greatest meme. I saw it on Facebook a few times, and it's honestly the greatest thing in the world. You're just going to have to send it to me. Oh, well, I'll send it to you guys. It was hilarious. Because you have me on Facebook now, so. I have both of you on Facebook. <laughs> I hardly use Facebook. Same, though. I only use it because my girlfriend tags me and stuff. But, you know. So, we're down to... Does anybody else want to talk about Hulk? Um, no, I think you got you, you gave him the best the best thing. Yeah, honestly, you, you explained Hulk rather well. Yeah. Yes. So, we did Haw- Hawkeye, right? Well, we, we haven't done... Uh, Hawkeye completely because we, didn't we do Hawkeye completely. Natasha we started with just how the Hawkeye. movie. So Natasha and Hawkeye. So Hawkeye lost his family at the beginning of the movie and spends the whole spends the majority of the movie as Ronin. Um, is that is, his name? Uh, comic book wise, yeah. He he eventually. Okay, so he becomes Ronin, which is a samurai without a master. Um, and he starts killing off people. And when he's finally found by Natasha, um, in Japan, I think yeah. he's killed a bunch of people and she's like, you can come back. And he's like, I've, I've done bad things. And we still have not found out what has happened in, um, where is this place that she keeps talking about? Uh, <laughs> Talk about Budapest? Yeah. Um, she keeps talking about Budapest. Um, we still don't know what has happened in Budapest. Whatever has happened in Budapest apparently has affected her so much um, that I think that is what has bonded her to Hawkeye slash Ronan in this movie. Um. And she can't um, not help him get past this point. She knows what it's like to go from cold, hard killer. Um, and she tells him he, uh, he gave her a family. When she had no one else, she ga- he gave her a family. And that's the thing. So she's doing everything she can to protect the family that she has. Uh Natasha is going through grief in a way that people don't acknowledge because she is holding down shield for Nick Fury. Mm -hmm. And she is doing what 
Some well, she's holding do. down the the Avengers initiative. Yeah, she's holding yeah, she's holding down the Avengers initiative. And she is doing what some people do instead of dealing with emotions, which is overworking themselves and overworking everybody else. Um but one thing we've noticed about Natasha, since we've met her in the second Iron Man movie, correct? Yeah. Yep. She has a phenomenal hair, right? Yep. And this one, her hair has split ends. It's dry. And it's going from... That it, her hair is growing out, which means she's not taking care of herself, yeah. and she in almost way she she did before, and she's almost never wearing makeup. Mm-hmm. Her job is a femme fatale assassin, so she's not taking care of herself. Yeah. So. We could say she is utilizing some of her coping skills with the scene in where Captain America comes in and she's making herself a peanut butter and I think a pe- just a peanut butter sandwich. I don't remember if it was peanut butter and jelly, but it is peanut butter. Um, and there are ballet slippers on the table. Or she could just be discarding them, but maybe we can be optimistic and she was utilizing them Hmm. um i think she has bad memories with the ballet slippers um at least in, in age of ultron we have these when scarlet witch there's a moment where scarlet witch considering she's like the villain one of the villains in this movies she does the spell that sort of traps everybody in their worst fears. Mm-hmm. And there's this one scene where um, um, Black Widow's nightmare is her going back to where she was trained and where she was picked out of the, the crowd in this sort of ballet studio. Um, and all the memories that are attached to that. So I don't know. If to her, she's not really... picked out of a crowd for, in the ballet studio. No, no. And uh, the ballet is studio is part of the training. Okay, so yeah, so I don't know to which to which um, part ballet ballet is dancing is something that a, a strength for her that she, you know, can use that as a coping mechanism, or if it's a reminder of something that she is very. Um, that of something traumatic in her life, which I don't know. It makes me wonder. And that's what I'm guessing that possible black widow prequel is about. Well, again, buy Disney plus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that'll be the, that'll be the, uh, that'll be the new, Disney, uh, no, Phase. that'll be the new Marvel 
phase four movies that'll be coming out. So we'll find out soon what that, what we'll find out with the new black widow movie that'll be coming out. Um, but so she's, she's dealing with that stuff there, but she's automatically asking war machine to look for Clint and he's telling her, you know, he's done some, some bad things, you know, he may not be able to be salvaged. He may, you know, so he's over there saying he's damaged, Mm -hmm. but she knows they all are, but they're still family and she needs to save her family. Yeah. And also she was that person once Mm -hmm. and Hawkeye had faith in her. And that's part of her, her broader MCU sort of character arc where she, was trying to make up for all the things that she did um, as an assassin way back when. And now she's at a point where she sees the one who sort of pulled her out of that and believed in her going down the same road. And she, when, you know, when War Machine tells her, you know, he's damaged goods, like he might not, you know, make it out of this. She has to believe that he can because that's what he believed in when she was in that same position. So then, so she gets him. They get to the scene where, you know. He's doing that samurai fight. The samurai fight. And he is grieving the loss of his family hard. And he doesn't know how to grieve other than to either be completely destroyed or insanely angry. Mm -hmm. and because he can't fix it he would rather be angry yeah and when natasha tells him that there's a way out of this like we we have a plan the first thing he says is like don't give me hope because that would have him sort of examining his life up until then. Mm-hmm. And he can't face not only the things that he's done up until now, but also the idea that it could be up to him once again, sort of to have this sort of responsibility. And what, what happens if his family finds out who he was during these five years they were gone? Yeah, that would be horrible for him. And that's a lot of what ifs, you know, will he, will they still love him? Will they still accept him? Um, and he's not sure he can accept that. He's not sure they will accept him. Yeah. And but Natasha, Natasha Natasha's, keeps believing in him. Natasha is really convincing. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and, so they decide to um, be a part of the plan. And so what part of the plan are they a part of? The fucked up part that broke my heart. The soul stone. <laughs> I fucking hate them so much. So, so much. But no matter what, we were going to end up losing someone. And so we lo- we end up with the battle of... Are we going to lose Clint or are we going to lose Natasha? And Mm -hmm. 
I'm sure there are tons of people who are like, well, who the fuck cares? It's either Clint or Natasha. And you know what? Fuck all of you people. Cause you know what? I fucking love Hawkeye. And you know what? I fucking love Natasha. But you know what? I'm also an archer. So Hawkeye is one of my favorites. Really? Yes. I was rooting for Hawkeye to win. You wanted him to kill himself? You asshole. Well, I'm sorry. I, mean, I kind of low-key wanted that too. You, you wanted you wanted Natasha to die? How dare you? No, I wanted them to throw fucking Red Skull over. <laughs> I wanted somehow for Red Skull to be tossed over and for that to somehow screw them screw everything over and yeah, to win the soul stone that way. Part of me wanted them to literally say, like, you know, we're not doing this and somehow find another way. Yeah. But there was no other way. And so you know, there's a lot of people, you know, part of what, you know, kept me from completely shipping Hawkeye's death was the fact that he had family. But that's the thing. Natasha also has a family, just not a, a biological family, more of a family of choice. Okay. And what I'm going to ask is this. Why would... Okay. Uh-huh. I get it. There was no fucking body, but how come there was like no fucking memorial service for fucking for fucking Natasha? Uh, uh, It happened in the background. I can't I can't think that there was no memorial service. It'd be like, oh my god, Tony, 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 fucking Black Widow, bitch! How many times did she save Tony's ass? She kept Avengers alive while everybody was off mourning. You know. Ugh. Natasha. But yeah, I really love that scene because there was this point where they were like, you know, um, sort of saying that, you know, nobody's going to die. Then they went to the point where they were like, you know, we all know what's going to have to happen. And then they started sort of double crossing each other in ways that spies do, but in order to save each other. And this is the exact same moment where Thanos just threw Gamora off the hill because he was like, you know, my convictions are more important than my whatever feelings I have for my daughter. Oh my God, this this shows how much they truly loved each other. Yes, and then having that, sort of Gamora Thanos relationship contrasted to this one moment where they're all they're both fighting to the death but to their own deaths. Yeah. Uh, um in order to save the other person's livelihood. And that's just beautiful and it's just heartbreaking. I'm just So yeah. <laughs> so it was it was a it was a very wonderful scene. So we've lost uh, Tony. We lost Natasha. Mm-hmm. And Hawkeye has to sort of live up to that sacrifice. Yep. Um, so, <sighs> so we get Captain America. <sighs> Captain. And again, Captain America is dealing with the loss in a different way. He starts this group for people who are also dealing with the loss. And we see this in this poignant way where, um, so I'm a New Yorker and they show this wonderful scene of city field. Mm -hmm. City field is never that quiet. Even during the winter, 
there is this hum around it with traffic, with people, with the sounds of the city, with the smells of the city. Like the city is just its own living creature. And it wasn't. And that scene itself, just flying overhead and seeing City Field just asleep in a way that it would, I've never seen it. Like, it, it's never that way. <laughs> it's a haunting image. Yes, it really is. And I think that hit me. Um, you talked about 9-11, and I think that would have been, I think, the only time I've ever seen it that silent. Mm -hmm. um, and so he, he, Captain America creates this group for survivors. those who survived the snap. And he's sort of trying to be this icon for them to sort of let them know that we have to move on, but spoilers, he can't move on yeah. himself. And this is something, you know, this is something that I think about often about the idea of whether somebody who is undergoing personal turmoil can help others. And I'm, and somebody that's definitely in the team of yes, I mean, the fact that you might be going through your own struggles does not mean that you are any less capable of helping others. There's also that that concept of, you know, take care, put your own mask on when you're on the following plane, you know, like um, put your own mask on before you can help others. Mm -hmm. But sometimes we don't have that choice. Yeah. And sometimes we just have to deal with things as they are occurring to ourselves as well. And I think in, in many ways, Captain is coping rather well with everything that happened. He doesn't have to let go of those lives, but he's still doing something valuable with that pain that he carries around. And he is he's putting it to good use and he's trying to find ways to cope with it. And uh, I think that shows a lot of resilience on his part. Um, and, and I liked uh, the the person who actually talked and said, I went on my first date in five years um, and we met and uh, he started crying and I started crying. Um, and the guy said, and uh, Steve was like, and so he goes, well, we have another date set up. Uh, so... It shows that there is some forward momentum. There is some type of progress happening. People are still grieving. Yeah. Um, and, and I think what, what we need to understand is grief is not something that you lose someone and you're going to say, okay, well, I lost them yesterday. Today, um, I'm going to give myself five days and that's it. No. It, you can take five days, you can take five hours, and sometimes you ha have to take five years, and it's going to take that long for you to get over it. It's sometimes you don't. Yeah, and sometimes five years, you, you know, taking five years to cope with something isn't sustainable. So you have to find a way to move on while still grieving. 
and that can be very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one thing that's beautiful in that sort of portrayal of that one survivor is that sometimes when you allow yourself to feel these emotions, that's what connects us. Oh. Um, perhaps. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to, I, I started chuckling because um, somebody said um, it was the snap that finally created gaze in the Marvel cinematic universe. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, yeah, it was, it was, um, yeah, I'm it's, pretty sure that was on Thanos' mind. He was like, um, you know, I'm going to snap half of all living beings, but also let's create the gays. Yeah. And so that's exactly what happened. <laughs> I uh, I know it's a fucked up thing to say, but, you know, Marvel Cinematic Universe has not been the most diverse, mm-hmm. sadly. Um. And the first time, yeah, so, and it just happened to be that one person who was talking about going on a date after yeah. <laughs> just happened to be a, a gay man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, white gay man. So, again, still not that diverse, but we're, we're getting there, getting there. Good job, Marvel. <laughs> Try getting Okoye divorced and then... We can take it from there. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Sorry. My bad. All right. So where were we? Um, but we see Captain America kind of not handling the stress based on his moral compass, as I said before, kind of being a little skewed with the fact that he's kind of using foul language now, too. Um, he was never the type to let shit slip out of his mouth. And now he's saying shit. He says ass. I think he even said bitch at one point. Um, or was it so. just shit and ass? It could be son of a. Or he may have said son of a bitch. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. Okay. But- so, but yeah, he wasn't. Those words would not have slipped out of his mouth before. And, um. And those, he's he's a little bit more relaxed with letting those fly. Um, again, his moral compass is not pointing due north like it normally would. Um, so that would be one of our indicators saying, "Hey, something's a little askew with him." Mm-hmm. Um, but he's he's coping through altruism, and he's not only making that group of survivors, but he's also trying to be there for Black Widow. And that that scene is also pretty heartwarming when he's just visiting her to check up on her. And well, again, it goes back to how much of it is like, it's good to care for friends, but I think this movie did a very good job of showing when we are at our limits with our own grief, with our own depression, if we are not going to an outside source that is not outside of the, um, not outside of our, um, 
outside of our circle who has also that has also dealt with this trauma um we're not getting a a really good feedback mm-hmm. and we're not getting the correct help all these people that are in this support circle are all afraid they are all for lack of better words damaged they are all um on the fringe of cracking themselves their tolerance has diminished so they want to help but they can only tolerate so much grief they can only tolerate so much loss so you know what they can probably tolerate the fact that natasha's not putting on makeup and the fact that ta- natasha hasn't really done her hair but she'll kind of braid it up to make it look neat but they can't tolerate that um thor let himself go yeah yeah sort of like uh rocket can't tolerate that captain Mar- uh captain marvel keeps cutting her fucking hair <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I liked her haircut. I liked it too. But again, like women with hair, like haircuts with women, hair and women are synonymous with like where we are in life. Yeah. So if she's over there, like I'm going to chop it all off, like something drastic has happened or is about to go down for her that she need that she felt she needed to chop it all off. But again, Rocket is still uh, mourning the loss of Groot, which he thought he had lost previously, which is you know why Groot is now a teenager. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Rocket is on edge. He's lost his whole family. You know, Akoye is on on edge because. I don't know how much of Wakanda is lost. And, you know, Black Widow keeps sending them out on these missions to do things. And she's like, okay, but we really have not a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I understand that you want us to help make sure everything is still safe, but there's not that much to do. And there was like a couple of bad things here and there. And they were able to just kind of stop them real quick. Yeah. But nothing like crazy, nothing crazy that really warranted, you know, the the Avengers, I would say, or as they felt. And here, I think we should ask in terms of Captain... Um, whether he's he's coping with things he's able, whether he's going to be able eventually to move on or not, because his his main issue is that he can't move on, and in this in this movie, it sort of pays off because he later finds there's a way to reset everything, 
But what would happen if there wasn't a way to reset everything? What if that's just the way things are from from now on? And he he could never find a way to sort of fix everything. Um, I think he does what he can, and he does what he can in terms of, you know, I'll make myself useful by giving people the space to speak about these things, but eventually maybe he could have spent his whole life sort of mourning that um, and not being able to sort of move narratively or like throughout any other stage in his life beyond that point. See, and I think, I don't know. I, I liked that he was able to finally get his dance at Peggy and go back in time. Um, and he basically went and put every stone back to the exact place um, where it was found. Mm-hmm. Um, so right, right at the time that it was lost. I think that was what he said. But then, see, this is where it bothers me. Because... It still creates an alternate timeline, doesn't it? <laughs> what do you mean? Um, are we are we getting with the whole confusion of what happened to Captain America after everything? Well, <laughs> so I mean, Peggy never tells Steve who technically she marries. She says she has two kids. We see pictures of her her of her two kids. Um, when he goes to go, when he goes to visit her and we'd never see the picture of her husband. Right. Mm -mm. So, I mean, what if he technically was supposed to go back in time and do all of this and we just didn't realize this. I think that's what the movie posits. But, like, uh, I don't know. Because <laughs> I hate fucking time travel and it's fucking fuckery. Just, just. You right. <laughs> just accept it the way it is. No. Don't think it over. Fuck, it's fucking like, fuck. You have, you have <laughs> infinity stones that change all of reality. If you, if you try to make sense of it, you won't understand. <laughs> That's just it. it Consider it magic. I don't like magic. I like science. Well, you don't like there Harry I Potter? said it. There I said it. <laughs> you know what? I think I think you need a visit with the ancient one. <gasps> no. So she can give you a sort of revelation. Listen, or she can just, you know, listen the punch you in the chest and knock your spirit out of your body, you know. Whichever works. And then I don't know, give you some psilocybin or something, because that was a weird trip. I'm gonna, I'm gonna punch the ancient one in the chesticles. <laughs> Chest- chesticles. Hey, John, don't think about it. Just don't think about it. <laughs> I'm doing like advanced calculus right here. I love stumping him. It's so much fun. <laughs> Yeah, I don't get to do it that often. He uh, didn't understand what chesticles was? I apparently mean. not. <laughs> so. Okay. 
So continue. Anyway, so he finally gets to go back. He gets to have this one dance with with Peggy, um, and he gets to live the life that he wanted. Um, and he comes back, and he gives Sam the shield. Mm-hmm. I loved that. I cried like a baby. Also, he just happened to swing Majolnir. Okay, listen. I'll just put that out there. Okay. We all knew he was worthy. Even Thor knew it was worthy. He was like, I knew it! Yes. Yeah, because ever you since can tell, yeah, ever since you saw Age of Ultron where the hammer slightly moved a little bit. It's just that Captain America just needed a little bit more of that that maturity in his yeah. character before he was fully worthy to wield Milnir. But we all knew it was going to happen. I mean, we saw Secret Empire stuff riddled throughout this entire movie with the hail hydra oh my god that was my favorite part when he went up to him and he was like hail hydra apparently that also caused another branching timeline (gasps) because he did that now those agents believe that captain america is working for hydra oh wait i want to do that again hold on Okay. Just so everybody knows, Kat is a Hydra agent. So, 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 I, I, this is my unpopular opinion in yes. terms of the whole Captain America, you know, old Cap ordeal. Okay. My unpopular thing is, is that the idea that Captain America, there's two Captain Americas in in the main continuity has always been a part of reality. Like this whole thing with Thanos and him going back in time and putting the stones back and staying in the past mm-hmm. was always part of the timeline. Like it's just something that were as it was continuously looping. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a time turner ordeal. Yeah. Where it's like so they both like, happen simultaneously. Exactly. And so during all of Infinity War, old Captain America was just like standing there going like, you know what will happen. <laughs> Especially because he, he knew that there was already another Captain America himself that was frozen in the ice. But now he gets to like change his identity and, and do these things to become uh, Peggy's husband without raising the suspicion that you know, he's Steve Rogers, most likely. You know what would have been really tough for him? Spending five years not telling anyone that it's going to get better. Well, maybe maybe he was one of the ones that was snapped away. Old Captain America? Maybe. It's a potential. I guess that could happen. <laughs> and he was like, oh, snap, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I, I mean, you. I mean, you never know. That's like, I know that was so p- corny. <laughs> John, I swear. <laughs> Can we sit with this corniness for a second? Hold up. <laughs> he said, oh, snap. <laughs> a moment of silence for your comedy did you guys ever see that one other meme with thor um when he's sitting like he's sitting down and he has like his hood up 
And it's like, why does like Thor look like he's about to like rap battle Thanos? And it's and then it brings like a then there's like a little text block of uh, some quotes from Eminem, mm-hmm. and they except when it says like he goes like instead of like in the song where he goes oh there goes gravity it's like oh there goes humanity. <laughs> <laughs> It's like snap, no, snap again. to reality. Oh, there goes humanity. No, something like that. To me. <laughs> oh, dude, it was. Uh, these memes are fire, honestly. No, uh, part of me during the movie was tears. The other part was excitement, and the other part was they're gonna make so many memes, so many memes, so many memes. Yep, but it was a very memey movie. But it was also a very powerful movie. And I mean, this was the first movie in over a decade that I like legitimately was like tears were streaming down my face. Mm-hmm. I don't cry during movies. And this movie made me cry. It's beautiful. It's it's a culmination of what, 22 films? Yep. 11 years in the making, 22 films in total, and so, yeah. there's still so much more left to do. Yeah. Good luck anybody else who wants to succeed that at some point. I believe in you. 22 movies, 3,000 minutes, 11 years. What is this, freaking Rent with 5,000? I forgot, 100, <laughs> some, so, so, I don't know. 125,600 minutes. There you go. Okay, I had to sort of sing it in my <laughs> See, that's what I was, I, I was waiting for him to start singing. <laughs> exactly, I was gonna start singing it if I was like thinking about it. I was like, no, nah, I can't do that. Uh, so yes, any any closing end game thoughts? Um, Avengers, assemble. That's my closing remark. I mean, I just had there you go, guys. I I I love this movie, and and when Sam was uh, what what did he say? Is it on the left? (laughs) On your left, yep. On your left, I was I love that. I was oh god, goosebumps. It took me the second time watching for me to get that reference because the first time I was just so like happy at the fact that everybody was back. I didn't catch the reference. Ugh. And then I, I and then I and then I watched and then I watched when I saw it a second time I was like ah I get it it was like on your left on your left <laughs> so that was beautiful yeah so the uh, so yeah so he was stuck so again stuck in space for twenty two days which was twenty two movies. Um, and we're looking forward to the next I Love You 3000 minutes of MCU content. Oh, yes. And we are waiting for phase four to start, um, which starts with Far From Mysterio. Home. Mysterio? No. So. No, it does not. That's the end of phase three. Far From Home is uh, the yeah, end of phase true. three. Is that that's the end true. of phase three? Yeah. yeah, that's the end of phase three, because that's where ge- they're going to introduce something that I think it's the whole parallel universe. I think it's the whole parallel universes thing that's sort of going to throw everything for a loop. Wow, spoilers much. 
Well, they said it in the trailer, so it's not really a spoiler. But what about the people? But remember, the trailer states if you've not seen Endgame, do not watch the trailer. Well, you've seen Endgame if you're what if you're listening to this podcast. What if they haven't? Well, we said spoilers. We had a spoiler warning. Yep. Yeah, but I'm just saying. Yeah, no, no, no. This this whole this whole thing is a spoiler warning. So. Yeah, you're right. Phase three of the Marvel Cinematic Universe comes to an end with Spider-Man Far From Home, which... Tony Stark dies. <laughs> which introduces the concept of the multiverses to the MCU. Yes. Multiverse-i? Multiverses. That definitely won't complicate things. So... So get ready to see Cat more angry and more angry as things make <laughs> less and less sense. Um, Correct. So H cat, I mean, H cat may be um, joining GFT more often to quell my anger. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that has a July second um, release date with Spider Man Far From Home, which is the end of Phase Three, and then Phase Four is starting with Black Widow. So, which is in 2020. Then we have Shang-Chi, Black Panther 2, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, Doctor Strange 2, The Eternals. Hey, guess what? What? Ms. Marvel. Ms. Marvel. Is Ms. Marvel really going to be coming? Yep. I think. Wait, did they? Did, did, oh, no. They said they were going to wait until after Far From Home to announce, announce Phase 4 lineup. Uh, I have the Phase 4 confirmed lineup. You need to send me this. I need to see this. I will. Captain Marvel 2. Put it in the show notes. The Falcon and Winter Soldier, which is the Disney Plus. Yes, that's a new show, isn't it? Yeah, WandaVision, which will be on Disney Plus. I need that in my life. Hawkeye, which I need on my in my life, which will be on Disney Plus. WandaVision. I, ever since Endgame, I was like, I need more WandaVision. <laughs> Loki will be on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. Probably the Loki that left with the Tesseract. And guess what? Marvel's What If. What if? Yeah. yeah, the big, the what ifs and things. Like, what if Captain America did work for Hydra and we get Secret Empire? So, oh, so which that's, that's going to be like Elseworlds ish. Which will be Disney Plus. So, there's literally, so. Um, I'm getting Disney Plus. There's literally, so much. <laughs> there is literally a version of Marvel Comics that's sort of like the, the it's literally called Marvel's What Ifs. And, um,. And like back in, um, so are there's going to be like short stories or like I I don't know if they're going to be short stories or what, but but there's literally like what if Captain America hadn't vanished hadn't hadn't vanished in World War Two. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we might actually get to find out what happens. Awesome. That's so amazing. So the takeaway is from this is get Disney Plus. So, yeah. If you love Marvel, get Disney+. Plus. So, I think 
on that note, we've done like two hours, guys. Thank you so much for helping me on GFT, you guys. Yeah, of course. That's what Avengers are for. <laughs> so, um, of course, you can find me on Twitter, Insta- Instagram, at um, at K-A-T, at, uh, at K-A-T-M-F-T. Um, you can find Gene, uh, uh, John. Oh my God, I almost said Gene again. You can find John at at Psychagonically. Yes. And you can find Mark at Quidies96. I'm proud of you. You said that correctly. Hey, I memorized it too. <laughs> um, and I will have all of this in the show notes. Um, you will. You can also contact us on the GT forums. I will have, of course, that on the show notes. If and you, you can like- confirm whether Nebula is really Nebula or not. Yes. Um, <laughs> and you can join us on the Discord. We never turn anybody away. You can talk to us about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You can talk to us about the Marvel comic book uh, universe. If I said anything that you that upset you, you can come and yell at me on that. I don't care. Um, don't yell at her. I may care. I will yell at you. <laughs> I may care. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> um, but we can discuss it. And if, of course, you like this, please rate, review, find us on iTunes, and um, plug us, please, because this is the best way you can find us. And since GFT has been on hiatus, we definitely need these these reviews and plug us yes hcat as well please plug hcat which of course we know you love hcat because you wouldn't have jumped on this gft if you thought this was gft and not hcat <gasps> what the duh. you would have i would have <laughs> i mean it's part of my everlast i mean ever enduring cycle of listening to every single podcast episode of every single podcast in the network so you would have listened to this. Oh yeah, 100%. Yes. All 2 hours and like 15 minutes. Yes. <laughs> At normal speed too. Not even oh increased speed. Isn't this like normal for GFT? It is normal for GFT. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, all right. And everybody, I love you 3000. Thank you for listening and have a good one. Bye. Bye guys. Bye.